Hello and welcome to the 117th FIS Freight and Commodity Podcast on Wednesday, 8th February. I'm Mopani and I'm your host. You can also call me Mo. And this podcast is here to bring you guests who update you on the commodity complex. You can also stay up to date with our daily commentary and weekly analysis on everything going on by signing up for our app FIS Live. And you can also follow our Twitter page at Freight Investor or find us on LinkedIn. Now, today we've got a slightly longer session, so we'll keep this intro rather brief so we get straight to it. We'll get an overview or a technical view of our markets, and we're going to get a regular update on freight and FFAs and briefly on the Ferris market. Let's now get an update from Kerry Dew, our head of business development on freight and FFA markets. Well, Mo, the Cape market continued to grind lower last week, sinking, I would say, even below most experienced observers' expectations. It shed another 16% from last Wednesday morning when we last did this podcast until Monday of this week, when the 5TC average touched its low of $3,475. The main negative pressure continued to come from Brazil, with the rates for the key C3 Brazil-China route falling from $16.75 to a low of 16 bucks per metric ton. West Africa also saw lower rates with one vessel fixed from Freetown to Qingdao at $16.30 for 6-10 March loading dates. In general, it was the Pacific, I would say, lending support for the Capes over the past week, with C5, West Australia, China, really pretty flat, hovering around that $6.30 per metric ton mark for much of the past week. Again, the support was really derived from an unusually high share of steam coal cargoes being shipped on Capes rather than Panamax. That's because the Capes are so much cheaper than the Panamaxes just at the moment. A couple of higher C3 fixtures at the start of this week did ignite talk of a floor on the Capes. I think it's a little bit too early to say if this is a dead cat bounce or if this is a sustainable recovery, though. The Cape paper continued to grind down with physical for much of the past week, March sinking to a low of 7,450 on Monday before talk of a floor on the Capes ignited a sudden jump yesterday afternoon on the back of speculation that a floor was forming. The move, and I guess the scale of the move, took a few people by surprise, with the March currently valued $8,200 on FIS Live, and the Q3, that's the Q3 5TC Cape paper, up at 18875 A lot of this is worth noting may be coming more from the fact of a, a very minor short squeeze and a race to short cover uh, and declining appetite, I would say, by most traders to continue selling into such low levels, I think, rather than a firm belief that the capes are about to recover. The Panamax has lost most of their momentum last week from the previous week on the back of a high tonnage count in the Atlantic. Volume-wise, we saw lower grain shipments reported from Brazil and the U.S. last week, although decent coal flow did continue to be seen from the U.S. The market also has concerns that the Brazilian soybean harvest pace is still falling behind the average, and also that political tension between the U.S. and China could impact sales ex-USA on grains. Rates have been flat or even slightly better in the Pacific region, supported by increasing coal demand from Australia and grain demand off the NOPAC. The paper on Panamax, I should say, actually found support in the last couple of days, despite the negative tone on physical. This is largely off the back of short covering again and nervousness to sell further, all prompted by this talk of a floor on the capes. So watch this space. March, Panamax 4TC paper currently valued 10600 on FIS Live, while the Q3 is 14125 this morning. Now the next conversation slash update was pre-recorded early yesterday on Tuesday, 7th February, the day before the markets moved. Well, not even a day, an hour before the markets 
changed. So please do be aware of that. But we thought uh, it would still be interesting for you to hear what Ed, our technical analyst, had to say. So here goes. So we've got here Ed, our technical analyst, going to give us a technical aspect to the charts and prices. Uh, He's going to cover INO, Cape and Panamax? Yep. Correct, yeah, Panamax. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Over to you, Ed. Thanks, Mo. Um, I'm just going to start with the iron ore market because we've seen a weakening in price over the last few days. Um, if you don't read our technical reports, then I'd say they're informative and you should basically sign up to the mailing list. Um, but we've been noting for some time that where we'd seen the prices uh, make new highs, the relative strength index, which is a measure of momentum, wasn't. Um, following the following the price and wasn't making new highs, warning that there was potential for a momentum slowdown. Now we've seen um, in the last five six days a pullback of probably eight dollars, eight and a half dollars. Um, if you look at the trend that started on the first uh, of November, the pullback now is greater in time and deeper in price than any pullback we've seen in the market since the trend began. Um, this is a serious warning sign that. Buy side momentum is weakening. Um, the fact that market sellers are able to hold the market down for so long um, is a real strong warning sign. Now, the technical itself um, doesn't go bearish on the intraday until we go below 118.40. At the moment, we're probably trading just uh, above 120. Now, um, we've seen a deep pullback here. You know, we've made a high of 129 around those sort of levels, 128.95. Um, now, obviously, the deeper the pullback, that's, again, another uh, alarm bell of um, the fact that market buyers aren't able to support the market like they have been able to. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in a situation where, on paper, we're looking at a market that is still bullish, but with price now trading below the, the medium-term averages, the 34-period and 55-period average, the fact that we've got this pullback that is greater in time and deeper in price that we've seen in any point of the trend, and just the general depth of the pullback as well into the last bullish wave going forward, you know, these are all alarm bells that we could be soon transitioning to uh, effectively a corrective mode in the market. Um, and I just think that, yes, 118.4 is a key level, but would I be suggesting that people get long this market at these levels on the back of a negative divergence deep pullbacks time and price i'm not sure i would i think that we could be entering a corrective phase um that could be a little bit more sustained now i think this trend as we say it's been running now for what uh, three months it needs to go find find a correction it needs to have a test to the downside um and i, I think we're going to see market sellers um becoming more and more dominant um in this market over the next uh, four to six weeks if we look at the freight obviously the seasonality of this time of year is never never good you know you don't often see bullish januarys and bullish Februarys. you know you've only got to look at a chart at any point or speak to any trader that's traded this market for any period of time normally we're bearish and let's be honest we're seeing no difference um in that at the moment uh, when we look at the cape size market you, your spots at what three thousand something dollars um, your systemic risk is going to be to the upside. There's no point saying it's a bear market, it's going to go lower. We know that. Um, what's your downside risk? Um, now, obviously, February is trading $4,000, $4,200 at the moment. It's going to price in as an average. Um, we are tracking uh, the three-year seasonality lows, which is a concern. 
But there's always this note of warning because if you look at the market and the February settlement over the last seven years, five of those years it has settled above six and a half thousand dollars. So I would be a little bit cautious because if we do get any kind of turn or laying up of ships, which is what the talk is at the moment, rather than um, demand should I say, then, um, you know, it could be a case of uh, the market could be a little bit exposed to these levels. It's more further down the curve. I mean, if we look at the March, obviously, they still carry. We're trading at $7,200. Again, there are signs of exhaustion going on there. Where's your risk to the downside? Probably two, two and a half thousand dollars. Is there a risk that if we do see some any kind of turn of the spot that there's going to be some short covering in this market that could put an aggressive move over a short period of time? Yeah, I do think so. So, I mean, again, this is I wouldn't be selling March at these levels. I think even though it's technically bearish, it's in trend. And I know there's the saying that the trend is your friend. I would be very cautious. We are seeing uh, positive divergences with momentum indicators on lower time frames that would put me off going from the sell side. Would I be in buying it just yet? Maybe a little bit early. Um, I'd want to see something turn in the actual price of the futures, but um, I would be very cautious about being short uh, the March at this point with the warning signs we've been seeing from the divergences on lower time frames, because there's quite a few of them. Um, I I mean, what would uh, what technical signs would uh, make you change your mind on that? Uh, very very simply, I mean, like if you start seeing um, the daily candles candle charts or to say your daily price action you know if you all of a sudden it starts making higher highs and higher lows um there's a warning that something's changing in sentiment um if you start breaking above swing highs and swing lows um i.e points where the markets turned previously known as fractals um and you start breaking them you're entering bullish territory because let's be honest the market that's making new highs is not bearish um and so um you know, I would look for some kind of positive price action, whether it's a break in a downside trend, um, some bullish closes coming in the market, whether I see the relative in- strength index turning higher or holding above its moving average. All, the, all these sort of signs that, they're, that, they're, that, that the momentum to the downside is slowing and, uh, you know, the potential is some short covering. I would be keeping an eye out for that. Um, I think it's further in, uh, much more interesting further down the car- curve because at the moment, you know, when we look at, say, the Q3, it's far too detached from the spot market. And as we know, the seasonality improves during the course of the year, that you would be aggressively selling the Q3 too much at, at this point in time um, because there is a systemic risk to the upside. Um, if we do see six weeks down the line that the, the index is starting producing higher prices, you are going to see buying support in the market. Now, I look at something called Elliott Wave, which is the psychological footprint of the market. Um, and when I look at the Q3, it's telling me that we are in a counter-trend move. Um, ultimately, your key level is down at 6,676, that sort of area. So 16,616, 17,000 level. Um, I'm not saying that this is going to turn bullish just yet and that the trend is going to be... Um, moving higher but i do think that we are at a point where even if it's a complex corrective phase this downside move is starting to um hit trend lines trend support lines should i say um which were over the the formed over the last few months uh, which makes it an area of interest the market itself even though it's moving lower i class it as corrective i don't class it as bearish um 
I think that there'll be some interest um, coming in uh, to the Q3 on the buy side um, if we drop much lower. Um, I genuinely think that there is a longer-term bull move to come, uh, which would fit the seasonality. Even if the index stays low at lowest level, lowest levels, there's always the expectations can be higher. So I think that's a, that's a space on the curve that's going to still be getting uh, some interest. And therefore, I think you know when you look at these Q3, Q, Q4 spreads. Um, I think they, even if they drop down, I think they're going to be more likely to follow the seasonality over the next couple of months um, rather than the low prices that we saw last year coming in on the spread because I, I, I just think that if the Q3 is supportive and the market moves higher, it's going to outperform the Q4 as it historically does. So, um, I, again, that's an area where I'd be keeping an eye on that could be of an interest. Panamax is a little bit more difficult. Um, you can look at the front end there. Um, as again, the trend is your friend. The psychology, psychological footprint of that market would say that in the March, I would suggest that upside moves at the moment would be against the trend. Um, I still think that even though it's been moving down for a sustained move, I think if it moves up, I, I'd be cautious there because I still think there's another move to come 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 lower. I don't think it's finished yet in the uh, in the March futures. Um, again, Q2. That's a really messy technical. Um, it's, it, it looks pretty bad. Um, I can't really put too much of a handle on the psychological footprint on the market on the Q2. My, my view on that would be if you're going to be getting longer, wait until you start seeing you know prices above moving averages or respecting bullish moving averages, momentum to the buy side, you know, or just simple buy side uh, candlestick patterns. So, you know, if if you if you think that the fundamental and the physical is turning and all of a sudden you're seeing uh daily closes above the high of the low recent low prices low candles then it's probably telling you that buy side momentum is improving so something to look out for uh but we do see if we look further down the curve a simple similar sort of pattern in the q3 and the cow 24 as we're seeing in the capes these moves look like they're going to be counter trend um we see them as corrective i do feel that there is going to be um a further covering of the seasonality footprints of the markets. My psychological footprint would suggest that there's upside moves to come still. Um, and so I'd be fairly cautious about being too heavy on the short side and any, anything further on the back of the curve because I still think, as it historically has proven, that we're going to see higher, higher prices. Well, I tell you what, if you get anywhere near that, you earned yourself an extra slot per month on here. So <laughs> we'll see about that. Thank you so much, Ed. I appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries. Well, I, as I say, I will come back at the moment. It's not the most interesting of technicals. Um, but as we start seeing um, this market and these, these indexes base, there might be some more interesting stuff to look at from buy, future buy signals or basing the markets further down the curve that will give us um, something more interesting to look at. And maybe we'll look at some of these Cape Panamax spreads and Panamax Supermax spreads and see what's, see what's cooking there. That could be quite interesting. Roger that. See you then. Thank you. We now have Hao Pei, our research analyst, to update us on the Ferris market. Hey, Hao. Hi, Mo. So we noticed that INO inventories reached a six-month high last week. I mean, is this going to become a supply pressure for the INO dynamic in H1? Um, the iron ore inventories will be fast digested by increasing mail stock after Chinese New Year. Since we saw the mail stock level was only 70% to 80% lower than uh, compared to the past three years. In addition, the shipment expected low in both H1 and H2 in 2023. Do you think 
the decreased trend of iron ore inventory will support iron ore? From my perspective, iron ore was less likely to relinquish port inventories and the support and the current to to support the current price level, as the reality is the port trade was smaller and seaborne lakens in February was very crowded,、uh, which are both bearish factors to current market. Moreover, the risk appetite expected to come back after the strong non-farm payroll data. Uh, from U.S. Federal,、um, they potentially stay hawkish until we see a significant decrease in inflation. Target level was two percent. However, we are, however, they are three point nine right now, way far from the level currently. The freight drop also decreased the cost of CFR cost of a、uh, box. Now, Australia FOB Coke and Coke continuously increased to three sixty dollars per metric. Ton,、uh, is is this growth sustainable? The wet weather, Indian demand recovery, and Chinese import ban lift, train accident, and cyclone potentially come in a row to support this Australia FOB market and attract the notice of a market participants. Although the price level was becoming less competitive compared to some domestic miners in China, in Shanxi, for example, well, Chinese mills still need to import、um, Australian prime coal,、uh, coking coals, to blend into black furnace. The Indian, the India demand dropped as many mills suffered cost increase. For example, Tata still saw a sales drop by six percent, while the cost up by seventeen percent.、Um, but I'm not thinking this level could be very sustainable, as majority buy interest for the Australia FOB Coking Co was from 335 to 340. For example, if these bids going up with size. Then they could push the market really high, but if they stay in that level to diverge with the offers, then the market potentially going down again. Fantastic! Thanks, Hao. I appreciate you joining us regularly this year. Thanks, Mo. That's it for the week, folks. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in the freight and commodity space, remember to sign up for our app FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter at Freight Investor, or even find us on LinkedIn. And if you'd like to give us any feedback or suggestions, email us at news@freightinvestor.com. You've been hearing from Mo. Have a great week.